Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new All Access. I'm here with my good friend Dom, Dom Lewis, uh, composer of the new Brad Pitt action thriller, suspense, ride, bombastic, awesome, cool thing, bullet train. <laughs> Dom, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to... It's been a while. I, I thought it's it was a not while, a while. Man. I thought it was less than a year, but it's been more than a year since we chatted, so... Yeah. So, but uh, I'm doing this formally, of course. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so actually I was funny. I was looking at like uh, everything that, you know, we've chatted for a while over the past decade. And our yeah. first chat was almost nine years ago. It'll be nine years ago in October when we had our first phone interview for Freebird. No way. <laughs> you know what? I don't even remember doing that. I don't remember we, doing the phone Because we, did, we didn't know each other in person yet. So you, I was just a voice on the phone. I was just some, uh, some you know, film music nerd trying to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow that is crazy yeah i remember so, the high castle one because that was in person that was yeah. the first time right. i met you yeah that was the first time I, we came came to your studio remote control when you were still there and we did uh just a shake hello nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> how do you compose music yeah i think <laughs> i think we we did a picture i think oh we did a one. photo because i was just yeah then, you know, you want to come back and <laughs> And just watch me go crazy for a decade. Yeah, that's the, that's what happened. I got to document your madness. So we've talked a well, lot. No, no, and you were like, I don't want a picture with this idiot. <laughs> you stop getting pictures with me. Yeah, <laughs> you don't love me anymore. Now we have plenty of pictures. I get a picture every time. I have a photo wall of my Dom wall. <laughs> a shrine. Yeah, great. Yeah, shrine. So tell me. Uh, so how is the Dom uh, that I'm talking to now? How has he evolved from that Dom that I spoke to nine years ago? How I'm starting this like a therapy session. <laughs> so it's, it's very good. Yeah. So out yeah, the gates, I'm very impressed with the first yeah. question. How do you? Uh, how, how have you grown in the past decade, man? How do you think you are as a composer, as a person, as a you know? You're, I would say you're now a veteran of this industry. Back you know, back then you were waddling around in a diaper remote control <laughs> uh wow uh, uh i don't know i just sort of i've just sort of gone with the flow i think um does it feel like 10 years since we last talked does it or did it kind of go in a flash <laughs> it, it really doesn't it really yeah. doesn't it's i mean i still it's funny you say that because i still feel like i'm the same i'm at the same point weirdly i, I hear you, know, you completely i always feel the same way i'm like have i grown as a person have i matured have i gotten better have i gotten more skilled i'm like i don't think so i feel like i'm still like that 12 year old still in like school sometimes you know <laughs> yeah i mean on paper it would suggest that i've grown um but <laughs> i mean i'm still i'm still immensely immature um and you know i you know i'm a husband i'm a father yeah, yeah. um two beautiful kids and you know what in a cheesy way i think that i think that's helped me evolve as a as a composer as well i think it you know when it, it puts everything into perspective in it in it it gives you a reason it gets so cheesy but it does it gives you no. a reason for being and it gives you you know it's your your wife is your muse and your children are your muse and um it definitely you know the more you grow and the more experiences you have especially with family and ups and downs you as an artist and a creator you draw from those experiences and that's what um that what that's what provides you with your material to channel into whatever emotion you have to especially in film music i mean in yeah. any music and in any art form but um you know i think the highs and the lows really kind of uh get woven into what you're creating at, at, at any given time um it's a hugely uh, pompous answer, but no, but it's, um, it, I think it's all true. Because I think, and also, the the more you, the older we get, I think the more it falls on our plates. And I'm curious, how have you discovered some secret to the work life balance of you know being a dad, being a husband, being a composer? You know, or is it still just like you're just you know, hanging on for dear life? It's, it's funny you ask me that every time, and and it's almost <laughs> like every time it gets worse. You know, because you have that you have that thing of like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm going to get more successful and then I'm, you know, going to be able to choose what projects I do and I'm not going to be so, uh, you know, tied to the desk and beholden to the craft and it just gets worse, man. I mean, I'm, I, you know, the amount of times I've said to my wife, oh, you know, it's, don't worry, it's just going to get better, it's going to get better and 
every time she's like you you said it was gonna get better and you said that it wouldn't be as bad this time and it just gets worse and i think you know circling back it's because of that it's because i am you know as a as a creative and an artist um it's it's always going to be there i'm never going to be able to to relax and say no or um you know i'm always i always get i always say i mean i get really itchy after kind of 10 days of doing nothing whether it's yeah. you know i'm bedridden because of covid or i'm you know on holiday i get that there's that moment where i'm like i have to do something um so yeah i'm <laughs> I think I'm Benjamin Buttoning. I think I'm regressing as a human being. Um, but musically, I seem to be I seem to be trying new things and and you know trying to push the envelope and trying new things and and doing different things. But um, yeah, still no balance, I'm afraid. No, no updates there. No. <laughs> well, before we talk to new awesome things, which uh, your your bullet train score is absolutely brilliant, fantastic, and you, know, you shared it with me, and it was. What a what a what a ride! What a what a well put together narrative of of just fun textures and cool storytelling and action and and all that. Um, but before we jump to that, I want to want to talk about your good old friend Baymax. Uh, oh yeah, you, your good old buddy, uh, Baymax. But you, you got to score the Disney Plus series Baymax, and it's almost a homecoming for you because you were you know working on uh, uh, Henry's score to Big Hero Six. You know, so you have some fam familiarity with the world. So talk about returning to that, and as you know, as the composer of the series and. How much did you want to look back and how much did you want to bring of yourself to this, you know, now that you're kind of the the lead voice, the lead kind of storytelling, musical storytelling behind it? It was really cool to be sort of thrust into that world. I mean, I don't think it's a secret or a, or a lie that they probably wanted Henry to do it. Um, in fact, I know they wanted Henry to do it. And it was, and it was actually... Uh, you know, my old buddy that called me up and said, listen, I can't do this, but I've told them that, you know, you would be perfect for it. And um, so, yeah, it was, there was some kind of difficulties in like figuring it out and, you know, all the kind of boring business stuff. But um, right. eventually we, you know, it landed on that I was going to do it. And, um, you know, it was, it was great for me because it, the beginning of the project, um, you know, I, I know Tom um, McDougall over at Disney and he, he was still head of animation at that point before his promotion. Um, so it was really good. I like I was desperate to, to be able to, to, you know, work with Tom and show him what I could do. And um, obviously he knows who I am and that I've been working with Henry. But it was like it was the chance for me to kind of show the Disney guys, the non TV guys, like the movie guys, what I could do. So, um it was uh, it was great, and it was sort of spread out over a, a a long period of time. So I had a lot of time to think about things, and it sort of just worked out that everything needed to be new and sound like Big yeah. Hero Six, but with different themes. Uh, we've got new characters, and we were looking at a side of Baymax that we get obviously get a glimpse of in the movie, him as a nurse essentially, right. or a healthcare giver. Um, but that sort of side of him in the film never really had a theme, never really had a musical idea other than being like bumbling Baymax. Right. Um, he was, it, was, it was, it was hero's story and, and, you know, right. Yeah. And, you know, we saw Baymax in the armor and doing cool stuff and like just flying around and, and being cool for the most part. Um, so this really is more of his, the warm side of Baymax and the, and the giving and, and the and the healthcare side of Baymax. So, yeah, I kind of had a carte blanche really with it. Um, That's awesome. Which is great. And originally, um, you know, talking to Henry about what they wanted and and before I even said yes to it, um, you know, obviously that uh, I think his thoughts were that it would be a continuation and a lot of his themes and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff from Big Hero 6, which I was on board with and willing to do, but it turned out through spotting and through talking to, you know, each diff each director of every episode that that's sort of not what they wanted. And they, they wanted to kind of craft their own little world, which was reminiscent of the Big Hero 6 world. Um, and they're just really lovely, warm, cute stories that just leave you feeling great yeah. um, after each one. And it was just a really nice 
it was a lovely experience um you know being able to sort of change it up every episode it always had that underlying kind of baymax big hero sound but everyone every character had their own um genre if you will and then it all sort of blends together in that last episode where they kind of all come together yeah um so a really lovely experience and one that was not stressful at all because it was over such a long period of time that I was able just to kind of nibble away at it one episode at a time. You know, it was all the original guys um, who did the movie, essentially. Um, and it was the, yeah. the, the animation team that, that, that do the features. So they had to kind of take a break in the middle of it to go do a film. <laughs> I think it was in, I think everyone, everyone went off to do Encanto and then we sort of picked up uh post-production again once they'd all finished so wow um, yeah it was uh it was really really cool and really fun and you know always great to work um with the disney guys because they just know what they're doing yeah down absolutely. You know, the story absolutely. to the characters to the animation to the arc of everything and it's just it's a really crazy high level of creating um and one that i've been desperate to get into for a long time so when henry made that call I was you know, trying to do anything I could to 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 jump on that so as a so now you're kind of a, a, a Disney dad and you know you have two <laughs> two kids have they got to experience any of the shows that you've worked on you know DuckTales or Monsters at Work or you know or are they just like uh no no thanks dad <laughs> they love all of it no it's great oh, they do you know, that's well, awesome it's really cool because obviously I I've, I've done a lot of kids stuff but yeah I do a lot a of serious stuff as well um and They've seen little bits and bobs of Baymax, um, but they've, I've been working obviously. And so the, the, my wife decided to take my family away for a, a Europe vacation and it came out whilst they're away. So I've still yet to show them the whole season episode by episode. So, um, and actually until you mentioned that, I'd forgotten that they haven't actually seen it yet. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go home tonight and, and whack on an episode and see what they think. That's awesome. But so, they've, I mean, they've seen little bits and bobs, like my little Quincy will be like, hello, my name is Baymax. And like try and copy, cause he's been in the studio visiting and I've been doing it and he's right. seen it. And they love, they love the movie. So, I mean, who doesn't? So yeah, no, that's, I, that's literally just like, oh, I haven't even shown it to them yet in its full glory. So that'll be fun tonight. All right, yeah, dad, you gotta get on that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh let's jump to the other end of the spectrum because you you've done a, an amazing amount of work and kind of in family entertainment telling these nice warm heartwarming stories but also man you grind and you're telling those awesome you know king's man hooking up with matt doing cool action stylized stuff and and now bullet train's coming out which is uh looks just absolutely amazing um you got to work uh uh on i mean what a what a cool project i mean it's got i mean it must have been so you must have been so hyped when when this came to fruition right <laughs> i didn't believe it i honestly didn't believe it for a long time it, you know it was um i i got an initial call to say that david and kelly wanted to meet with me on zoom you know i was still high of the pandemic yeah um, not that anything's really changed just people don't care anymore but and back then people were still being careful um and I was like, oh, my God, and I'm a massive fan of David and all of his films. Um, and so it was a bit I was super nervous and I just sort of went into this mode of like, I have to prepare. So um, I did. I, I read the script um, and I basically just got a massive playlist together of everything that having read the script what kind of genres of music and, and what kind of songs and what kind of, you know, little things that I thought were cool of all my knowledge of music from like 17s rock to hip hop to, to Latin music, to Japanese music, to everything I could think of, whacked yeah. it all in a playlist, sort of kept it under wraps for a bit, had the first Zoom meeting, which went really well. I mean, we just sort of clicked from the beginning. They showed me a couple of animatics and things because at that point, nothing had been shot. You know, I came on before before they'd even gone on to set. Wow. Um, so we were just sort of talking and chatting and it was, you know, it, it went really well. And I was sort of, sort of commenting on what I had 
kind of put together and it wasn't quite finished yet because I wanted to kind of give them a presentation of it sort yeah. of. Um, but we talk about the script and the possibilities and what we could do with it and where you can go with it. And, you know, the, the canvas was such an amazing blank canvas that you can literally go anywhere with this thing. And they seem to really like that. Um, but still, I was like, oh, I don't really know. This is, just seems too crazy. That's just, you know, I've done some things, but this doesn't. Why would they be talking to me about this? I couldn't quite grasp it. I couldn't quite believe it. Um, and then the call came through, they want another meeting, they want to, you know, and we sent back a couple of emails and, you know, it was like, well, you know, you mentioned that you wanted to play them some things and blah, blah, blah. And so that happened. Um, you know, I went through the Spotify playlist and said, like, at no point am I saying that this, we use these songs or we do kind of anything like this. It's just like, it's it like, like a, a preemptive temp track almost, right? Like a... No, 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 not even like it, I wasn't suggesting that any of it would be right okay. to put the picture. I was just saying that look at the like it was like look at this world of music, isn't it amazing? We yeah. can do anything. It was right. like it was like a mood board. It was like a Pinterest, okay. yeah. a music version of Pinterest, basically. Wow. Um, and you, you know, I just I don't know where that idea came to me from. I just thought this would be a really cool way of showing how immensely excited I am about this script and, and what the possibilities are and we can do anything. And I'm, I was like a little kid, like so excited. Um, and by the end of the meeting, uh, it, I, it was like someone had hit me with a something very heavy. And I think I, I, don't, I don't think I spoke for a bit because at the end of the meeting, they were like, oh, yeah, we really want to work with you. We're going to get your, or, you know, we're going to get your deal done. And I was like, great cool <laughs> okay and then so and then so i sort of you know you, there's that awkward thing on zoom where you pit leave and then you have to hit leave again and it's like yeah. everyone's still going bye <laughs> so that was super awkward and, and then um i sort of sat there for a bit going wait a minute what, did they just say like it took me half so an hour you, to process they, they, they offered you they, the gig what they the just gig. said and then you do that thing in your brain where you're like no, it, well, it must mean this and that they've got, you know, other people to see and that, you know, I'm in the running. And then I don't know, I think it was a couple of days later that they, my agent rang and was like, yeah, you've done the deal. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I kind of still can't believe it that I was, I've been a, such a huge part of the music for this film. And, um, I can't thank David and Kelly enough, really. It's just been such, it's, I mean, it really has, and it sounds wanky, but it's been the best creative musical experience to date. Um, and I think and it's, yeah, it, it, it shows, it shows in the final product, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it really took me a while to sort of be like, you know, I had to get sort of pep talks from Erin and um, from friends at the time going, Mate, you need to snap out of this. You've got a job to do. <laughs> like, you've got the gig. Like, you've got to go and show them what you can do. Right. So, um, yeah, so Dave came over. Um, and the first thing, like this, all of this is before he even shot a thing. So the first thing was to write. He said, I want this song. I want this um, really kind of emotional, expressive song for the, the character of the wolf played by Bad Bunny basically a big montage in the in the in sort of like the beginning ish of the film and he wanted like not music video but almost like the, like a really cool set piece that the song will just play out right. um and he wants it to be original um and that was my first task and so you know i just started noodling around with that um and it had to be in spanish so i got a friend to help me out with the translation of of, uh, of spanish lyrics and stuff and and wrote this song and, and just kind of was so inspired by everything and the conversations we had already in the script. And it took me about, I don't know, it took me the better part of a week to kind of get everything sorted. And I had to sing the scratch and I don't speak Spanish. So sort of getting coached how to say the words and still messing it up. Yeah. But they wanted like this really kind of rough, emotional, um, just weathered voice and you know me I'm not I, I can sing but I, I the gruffness it's all my voice is almost too this sounds wanky but it sounds it's too pure for that kind of thing 
yeah. I haven't smoked for so many years now. Like my my voice has regained its sort of pure tone. Just but... that angel's voice that you have. Well, yes. you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So so basically, um, I drank a bunch of tequila. Um, <laughs> like a I like lot. That, that is that is. I like that. That is the way you went about this. I mean, you know, it's the most dumb way to do it. <laughs> I know. So yeah, I, I reached for the liquor cabinet. Um, I, I, I burned I drank, my vocal cords off. <laughs> pretty. I mean, I drank a lot of tequila, and then you just kept singing it, kept singing it, kept singing it. It started out way too nice. Like you, you couldn't see the old guy in the chair, you know, on the porch with the with the cigar. You couldn't see that yet. So I kept yeah. drinking. And then kept singing it. So, and then it's, it's like the range is crazy. Um, well, to give you a little idea, I'd always, always wanted, um, when I started writing it, I always wanted Alejandro Sanz to sing it. Okay. Not for a million years did I ever expect that we would get him to do it. Right. Um, so uh, at that point, I was like, okay, how do I get that sound right? Drink, 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 drink. And then keep singing, keep singing, singing. And then eventually it was like, I must have been midnight, one in the morning. I finally, I finally got that voice, um, and it was great. And so, you know, got it all sorted out, got it all sparkly and nice. Printed it, sent it off to David and Kelly. And this, mind you, this is the first thing they've ever heard, other than like a reel, which I didn't really send them. Actually, it was just a bit high castle stuff. Right. This is the first thing they were hearing that I like created for them, and. I was shitting it. I was, I'd never been so nervous um, and didn't hear for a while. And then I got the emails were like, this is amazing. This is fire. This is so cool and blah, blah, blah. So we were off to the races basically and, and never really looked back. Um, you know, then from that point on talking about uh, scenes and characters and stuff. And I just started writing. Yeah. So the, um, the track on the album that's called Fate, the love, the last, well, actually, yeah, no, it is the last track. Isn't yeah, it? it's the last track. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first film music stuff I came up with. Oh, wow. um, and then the first track on the album, The White Death, that was the, that was the second thing I came up with, which I can talk a little bit how that evolved. Um, so, yeah, I was just constantly feeding him my brain during filming and it turned out that he was he had pa on set and he was just playing these things whilst they were filming wow that so is the, like death, the composer's dream to it's, i mean honestly this whole project's been a dream so yeah so the white death stuff the theme ended up evolving and we went in a slightly different direction but on the platform and on the set of the movie he was playing the white death's theme as as they were doing like wide shots and obviously not during talking so that would right. ruin the take but um and again like the song the the uh the wolf song um my version of it not the final version of it in in that scene too he would play uh for the actors and for the extras to kind of get into the mood um before shooting and during shooting and stuff so um kind of crazy and Frank, i'm sorry i'm like i haven't been able to talk about this you're my first i know yeah this i'm just, just, I'm just, just like bathe me. Yeah, bathe. i'm just gonna shower myself my first offloading of, of the whole process so yeah. um yeah so after sweets and everything like i started getting the assembly the editor the first editor's assembly and i would get scenes fed to me um and i was you know, I had this like lofty aspiration that we we did sort of try on the King's Man, but it never came to fruition because things were changing so much and we just couldn't get the minutes done quick enough. But the idea was to basically create, for me to create the temp. So okay. we never had that whole thing of, oh, then I'm really attached to the temp here. And if we do get that, it's going to be me anyway, so it doesn't matter. If right. you get attached to the old version of this, hey, great <laughs> you know we're, we're done yeah um so i just uh, no temp i told everyone don't touch it don't touch it i will create whatever we need to do start like to the editor the assembly editor start cutting in stuff um you know i have this portion of this suite i'm imagining for this this i'm imagining for this and then 
yeah and, and so it, it was just so is that word again organic um in its in its process uh and then dan pender came on as a music editor and sort of like i mean that's just not fair because he's just such a wonderful pair of ears and uh, you know I mean, Dan, he's, he's the best yeah yeah he's i mean he literally is the best in the biz and he was just sort of became my like you know took me off the ledge and big me up when i needed to be and on all the things you need so yeah. he was more like you know a musical uh yoda as opposed to a music editor he also edited as well but so at that point you know he would then take stems of my stuff then start putting it places i would be tackling scenes and so by the time we got to the first preview we were in a position where i'd written i'd written three of the songs maybe four uh most of it was was tempt with original material um and you know it was just it was just such a wonderful experience even in the early you know being you'd think that being on a movie that long and being on it from the start you'd be like oh my god how did you get through it you know yeah. from our from our last conversations with the king's man of, of, of one that what didn't go quite so swimmingly well um and we ended up in a great place but it took us a while to get there yeah, this yeah. was just this was so the opposite man it was like you know the directive of swing for the fences be bold be courageous do whatever you think it needs and every single time but one um was like this is great like we had to kind of we had we had some previews and we had to change some things which i can talk about but um on the whole, other than like, you know, I, <laughs> I had this idea. So Lemon, right? You, I mean, when you see the movie, you'll, you'll see this. this. This is not a spoiler. Lemon is obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, and you sort of get a little bit from trailers and things. And, and that everything he knows, he's learned from Thomas the Tank Engine. Everyone in his life, he refers to as a character from that. So either you're a Percy or you're a Gordon or you're, you're this or that, you know? And there's a running thing like the, you know, the, the people he thinks are the bad guys is a diesel, you know? And people that know Thomas the Tank Engine, like, I'm not a diesel, you're a diesel. So, but anyway, so at one point I decided to, in a, in a, in a, large, a, a big moment for him in, in the movie, I'd done this like massive, orchestral version of the 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 british thomas the tank engine thing uh, <laughs> like almost like puccini-esque like really like massive and some way over the top and that was that was the only moment where there was a bit of silence at the end of the playback and because everything was on everclear and it was there was a delay anyway there's yeah. a bit of silence and dave kind of goes yeah that mm, <laughs> might not be right for this moment i appreciate i mean awesome you're swinging for the fences that's what i told you to do but i think we might need to really think that one a little bit and that was the only literally the only moment other than you know some stylistic things after previews where you know inevitably people's scores and cards make the tone of things shift a little bit that is there so funny never... that story is so funny because i i, I know i text you i i I just talked to your, you know, your old friend Henry right before mm. we jumped on here. We just talked about the gray man and the, the story that you just told is almost verbatim a story that he told about working with the Rousseau's where they were like, yeah, swing for the fences, go big or go home. And he went really big. And then I think Anthony or Joe was like, that's a little too big of a swing. Yeah. You got to reel that back. A little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, but it's great to work with filmmakers like that, that embrace that. I think that's, that's the key right there. It's like, you got to do it and not feel stupid for doing it or, or shamed for doing right. it. Yeah. And it was just, it's part when of you look at those two, you look at those two names or three names as it is the Russo brothers and, and David, it's, you can see that those, those people do that in their yeah. films. Yeah, yeah. You can see that that's the, that's the, that's the direction with everyone, not just, not just the music. And, you know, the, those guys are, uh, as well as David are trying to, trying to make, new stuff not yes. you know trying to make things cool and refreshing again and so it makes sense that henry would tell a very similar story because yeah you know we're, we're we're so often put in our little box and you know it needs to sound like this or you know do it needs to be more like the temp or it needs to be this and we're really liking this flavor with this and you sort of get you get told what to do so it's all very well having a blank canvas but if you're told which paints 
to use and where to put the paints, it doesn't become as exciting yeah. anymore. And it's not it's not your expression of what you believe this should be. And absolutely. And and Dave's just the collaboration is second to none, man. It's just like it's such a pleasure to you know, in the past I've sort of worried about playbacks. It, on this movie, I was so excited to play him stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I knew that he, I knew that even if he didn't like it, he would want it, you know, on a playlist somewhere. Because right. we were just so our music tastes are very similar anyway. Um, and it was never there was never any. It was just it was man. I'm I'm gushing because it's as I say it's the first time I've spoken about this, but it's just I'm so proud of what we as like as a, a collaborative force david and i came up with um both on the songs and the soundtrack side of things and the score it's just no matter how the movie does i don't i really don't care because this was dave gave me a chance to to write my concept album you know he gave me yeah. a chance to to the whole idea my concept of it which i think is what sold him because he's such a needle drop guy anyway right right how how do you do a score that sounds like the song, like they're all specific songs. Like how, how do you do a score that the needle drop is telling story and is arced around the action? Because, yeah. you know, those, the best needle drops in movies are the ones that really encapsulate the story and the, and the arcs. And, you know, that's why it's so difficult to find needle drops that work. And often the ones that do are way too expensive. And the movie yeah, you can't, can't afford, afford them anyway. Them. <laughs> can't afford them anyway. So, so my whole concept was what, you know, with, with Dave being such a needle drop guy, how do I, how do I craft that to everyone's benefit? Yeah. Um, and the, the directive being, you can do whatever the hell you want from like, I don't know, like 60s go-go to, you know, hip hop to, to, to classical, to rock, to whatever it is, nothing was off the table. And but it's also I mean, still everything feels like a cohesive, like, I don't right. know, it all comes together. I know you were talking, you were kind of, then when you're texting me, like, oh, it's like this and this and this. And, but like, it's still like a, it feels like this body of work that, I mean, and I, your album presentation is such a perfect, it just feels like a narrative, like a full from start to end. I mean, you get all these great themes as well, but you're also doing these great action builds and tension and just, and there's just like the tone and the atmosphere is something that I think is the best that you've done in your career, just personally from me being listening with you, you know, being friends with you for all these, all these years, just like, I'm just really proud of what you did here. It's really awesome. <laughs> like... Oh, bless you. No, that, <laughs> that means so much to me because it's such an expression of who I am. And, and, yeah. and, and I gave everything I had as you would, if you're sitting and that's basically what I was doing. I was sitting in the studio coming up with music, obviously inspired by the picture, but because it was that sort of needle drop mentality, I, I didn't have to shy away from, you know, oftentimes in school, you have to not do a lot. And, to, and, and, and that's often the hardest thing to do is to sp support the picture and, yeah. and not do stuff. The doing right. stuff is really easy yeah. to a degree. But because this was so needle drop orientated, the, the placement, the spotting of it, you always, there needed to be music. It wasn't a case right. of underscore where you're kind of helping the drama. The drama's already there. Yeah. You know, a lot of this movie, you could just mute the music and it's like cut, you can cut it with a knife. And that's what the tension is, is, you know, what you want in a movie like this. It's the fun and the, you know, the, the roller coaster action and, and, yeah, and yeah, all the yeah. other little things I was able to do um, with my album, essentially. You know, it, it was just like, you know, I'd come up with a thing for Prince and then due to the story, that track, if you will, could then inspire, you know, the other characters that she's linked to and everyone's sort of linking together in the way that concept tumbles happen. Right. Um, you know, each track is sort of influencing the next one. And that's what it was. Um, and just that, yeah, I mean, we can I, literally I could. <laughs> keep you on here for hours and hours of talking about how I came up with everything and how it was deployed and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of it but yeah but yeah, just, I, yeah. But yeah I want to uh, let me talk I want to talk about creating the uh the tone and the atmosphere mm. because I meant I mentioned that and how 
how specific it is and you know you you see the trailer and from people who who go out see the movie it's a kind of you know it has a very fun element to it it's not all serious it's a kind of a you know cheeky fun you know i mean if you know dave's films you've seen john wick and deadpool 2 and you know he comes from the stunt background so of course all the stunt work is just like top notch he knows how to shoot those sequences and, and build out those scenes so talk to me about creating that atmosphere because i remember i when i was i was listening to it it was like first of all as a huge western guy it had definitely a little little flavor not too much but it was just you know it felt like a little bit of a you know an english spaghetti western sometimes with the with the whistles and the guitar the way you use guitar and and but in, a, in the best way possible it's such a dom score as well but um talk to me about finding the tone of this movie and what the music had to do tonally to i guess support support it uh, yeah, I mean, th- there was a little shift from my initial kind of working away from picture and then getting picture. And then even from that, sort of Dave getting off, getting off set and then talking uh-huh. to him about what he wanted. Um, you know, you you can sort of, you can kind of hear that. And if you listen to, to Fate on the album, that was the first thing I came up with rather than the last thing I came up with. So right. the serious, you know, the serious music drenched in, you know, drama and, and pathos and culture and, you know, everything that fate should be um, was, was sorted. I never had to worry about that. Yeah. The, the, the bit that was tricky. And when, you know, and you were listening earlier today and you, you were saying about the first track, the first track was the first, my first idea for the white death, um, which I said got played on set and everything, but after a preview, some of the characters felt kind of a, for Dave felt too dark and were coming across to the audience too dark. And he still wanted that, you know, almost popcorn, almost anime yeah. feel like live yeah. anime in the movie. Right, right. Um, not, not that it is at all, but just that's, that's an analogy more than it is a description of what the film is. It's sure. more, you know, having that, having that serious element, but putting a spin on it where you can be comedic, you can be funny and you can enjoy it. You can smile. You can yeah. smile as someone's head's being lopped off by a samurai. Sword. Right. That's, exactly. That was that's essentially the concept. So, you know, that first track, White Death, elements of that I kept for for him. But then, if you listen to the track, um, I believe it's called the Modern Plague, or Modern Plague, like track so. four or something. That's where that stuff ended up. You know, it needed to be a little bit more fun. It needed to have a little bit more swagger to it. It needed to feel more popcorny and have some more guitars. So, you know, I really like dived into the concept, which my, my initial concept was, what if someone is like flicking through someone else's vinyl record collection, right? Right. And you find right. this record and go, oh, this looks interesting. And you whack it on. And that inspires you to go, oh, my God, I need to make something out of this. This material is great, but it's like I'm going to bring it up today and I'm going to like put loads of different spins on it. And that was the concept. The concept was I'm going to create my own original samples that sound like they're from the 70s and then build this whole world around it that brings it into now. So, you know, you'll have you'll have stuff from the fate suite you'll have those like really cool high violins that sound like they were recorded in the 70s and even you know i got um i got the trombones to bring in the 70s they used smaller trombones Mm. so even to even that detail was like it's the brass section sounded like you know i was recording a film score in the 70s on top of that i would record it i recorded at capital b um which, you know, a historic, amazing Capital studio, yeah. Capital Records with the chambers that are there. So I was just building this whole thing where I had to create the original sample. So I had to create something that sounded like it had been made in the 70s. And then, you know, I eventually did score stuff at Sony and I did other things. And my production was bringing it into this world in, you know, 2022 in, in Japan, set in Japan. And and but weirdly enough i didn't want to i never wanted to use traditional japanese instruments at any point and especially not for the japanese characters um things which i I noticed and it it was it was refreshing in that sense where it wasn't like you didn't have to be on the nose with that and like 
you know you're just you're treating these characters not just based yeah. on their ethnicity or location it's just like here we are we're telling this story of course it takes place in japan that's part of it but like you know this is you know the style and the kind of movie we're going with right and you know what that it, it was really really important for me not to do that and anything i could to kind of give a nod like for example the stuff used for the elder and and the eldest son uh yuchi um it's that guitar stuff you were talking about but yeah. so it's just it's a spanish guitar right but this is spanish guitar made by the most famous uh japanese luthier oh wow um, and that was the decision i mean you know probably no no one would ever know but it would it helped me get into the right vibe um you know where is it yeah this thing here yeah, your massive guitar collection over it's there. A, this, I mean, it's a Spanish guitar, right? Yeah. But it's it's made in Japan. It's it's the hand that built it. Um, you know, is is the the, the it's either the son of or the you know Japanese luthier. So little details like that that are kind of crazy and no one would ever notice, but it helped me get into it. You know, so yeah. Though that stuff, so you know, the stuff of the Fate Suite, and I think there's a track called Tentomushi and other things like that. That was sort of that was my 70s kind of serious bed. Like that was my 70s film score that I wanted to create first. So you've got Mellotrons in there. You've got I'm getting out of breath because I'm so into this. <laughs> you can breathe. Got, don't, don't pass I, I don't out. On me. I don't think I've ever been this excited to tell someone about you know the, the, what I've been through for the last year of creating this score. Yeah. But so so yeah, Mellotrons and um, that guitar, and we even got like a, got an Enka singer in. Now Enka is a really wow. um, amazing, beautiful form of singing only in Japan. Um, uh, it's a, it's like a it's almost like a post-war style. The vibrato is crazy wide, um, rather than just have like an opera voice. You know, you mentioned the whole spaghetti western thing, and I really wasn't wasn't trying to do that at all. It was just right, right, right. There were just certain like certain instruments that I gravitated towards that happened to be used in that whole thing, and then you've got like samurai swords, and so you you can make those you can join those dots, but that's not what I was trying to do. Um, but anyway, so this anchor singer just like, so I did the demos with my voice and sort of very operatic. And then we brought in this woman who just like transported me to just an amazing, and everyone who it was on Zoom and we were just like, everyone was like weeping when she sang the main wow. melody and stuff. And it was, and it really just took it to that next level of, of you know, if you did find that record, what would be on it, you know? So, um, so that that was sort of like the serious side of things, um, the elder and the more sort of, you know, the cult, the, the deep culture of the film. Um, but as I say, I mean, the movie is, is a celebration of all cultures and all creeds yes. and all, and that's why I wanted, I didn't want the music to be so specific to specific people. And it was more about picking, picking general genres for, for characters. You know, it was more about what would they listen to, where have they lived, who are they, who do they interact with, what's their social scene, you know. So for someone for like Lemon and Tangerine, for example, um, this is a whole other thing. I'm like, I can't keep on one thing. Um, <laughs> I've even I've forgotten your question because I'm just blah, blah, blah. we were talking um, about tone and atmosphere, but I think we've right. we've, uh, we've we've moved. <laughs> We've moved on back into to Dom telling us the whole story of <laughs> <laughs> from the dawn of time. I can't help it. I'm sorry. No, this is to do with no, tone. No, so, yeah, yeah, please go. I love it. Keep going. The tone that so the tone. I don't even need to be here. I can just sit back and popcorn. <laughs> just all right. Keep going. So, yeah. So the tone of all the different characters was reflected, or, or was it was. Um, the creation of it was i would sort of go i'd go beyond the script i'd go deeper and be like okay so lemon and tangerine they're english well i know about that how old are they where are they what's where are they from what would they listen to you know just from seeing little bits of of dailies and stuff i was able to kind of give everybody a backstory their musical backstory which would then help me come up with tones for each different character so then further down the line with Lemon and Tangerine, um, 
I was watching the earliest one that I was sitting here just watching again. And then there's a moment in the movie where he, he takes a call from the White Death and the back of his phone, there's a West Ham United sticker. Um, and then later on, you see that he's got West Ham United socks. And I'm like, oh, uh, so Americans wouldn't know this, but West Ham United fans at the games and anywhere they are really uh, sing a song called I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles which was very popular during the war. I I can't remember who sang it during the war, but um, anyway, the West Ham United fans and club have adopted this song as their anthem, basically. So I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Store that, might not use it, but that could be really helpful. At the time, I thought the tune was public domain. Turns out it isn't, but we got around that. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) so... I'm working away. I haven't really. I've, I had so many ideas for Lemon and Tangerine, from like, um, you know, ska to dub to to stuff that they would be to like Britpop to all sorts of different things that, you know, I'm a very similar age, um, to to the characters and, and English. So it was, that was really easy for me to dive into kind of early on. It, it, I got my toes wet with that basically. Um, but then, you know, more dailies came in, got more of the film, and there's a very, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's a theres a, a, a very sad sequence involving both the characters uh, towards the end of the movie. And I didn't want, in that whole kind of needle drop aspect, and like, what's the perfect needle drop? I didn't want to do the whole sad string thing where you yeah. do a solo piano and you do the strings and you go, oh, everyone cry now. Right, right. And at that point, it was like, that's where I use it. That's where I use I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. So I did this very like somber, weird, it's called Bubbles on the, on yeah, the soundtrack. On, on the soundtrack, yeah. So, um, so like, yeah, I did that and I harmonized with myself and it, it, it feels like a needle drop essentially, but it, 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 it was crafted around the scene um, between these two guys. Um, sent it off to Dave, was excited. Oh, you should check it out, it's great. And he's like, I absolutely love it but I got to make that pay off. I can't just have, I can't just have bubbles, this song that is associated yeah. with West Ham just there because it doesn't mean anything if we haven't heard it before. Right. So right. this is, this is what I mean about the collaboration being second to none. Yeah. Then you have to, yeah, he, he's figuring that, out how to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> he then took that song and retroactively fit story arcs back from that point in the film Wow. So when we first see them and you get a whole scene of them doing their thing, there was a big like 60s. I did a big 60s go-go version of um, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles sung by Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't even know he was still alive. I just threw it out there as an idea. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we, yeah, we were talking to his we were talking to his management. I was like, oh, my God, this is the best film ever. So anyway, um, so that happened, and then there's the Cockney Rejects version of it, which is like a punk version of it. Um, and, and then there's my version down the line, and there's other little quotes of it. But the thing was, is like, so Dave was like, oh, how do I make this work story-wise? And so he worked into the story that that was kind of, that's their thing, that's their comment. They're called the twins. Right. Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson are obviously not twins. Um, <laughs> So, and that's sort of, that's a running joke during the film. So what, like, what's their thing? And so then you get a flashback of them sitting in their house when they're little, watching the game and like the TV's on and the, you know, the West Ham, they says the score on the TV. And so there was this whole, just from me presenting this like idea of this, this is a West Ham song and he supports West Ham. They've then worked it into the film in a really brilliant way. Wow. And that's, you know, I mean, what more can you ask? That makes yeah. you feel like not only are you a composer and a musician, you're like, you're at the table. You're, you're storytelling giving, like, with you're the having, filmmakers. Yeah, I mean, right. you are, you're, you're crafting. You're having a back and forth, a creative back and forth of what this film is and, and how to achieve the best film possible and the creative arc of the characters. And and that, that moment for me was so big because it was like, oh, I'm like, I'm being listened to here about my ideas and, and not that I didn't feel like feel that before, but it, right. it was that next level of like, yeah. oh shit, this is like, 
this is this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and that only that only just gave me more momentum to just go further and to push stuff further and just to you know, this stuff I could literally talk about so many different things like the Prince tone. Um, she sort of has two sides because she's schizophrenic. She's got her like really evil killing people side, and then she's got her fun like Gen Z thing. Yeah. Um, and they kind of come together quite nicely at the end. And I mean, every character has its own tone that, you know, I could, we'll be here all day, but. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's funny because I remember we, whatever, however many years ago, we were sitting in your studio and, and I think, I don't know if we were filming an interview or if we were just talking and you were just like, I wish, like the one thing you, you were like, I wish the industry would change if like just directors trusted their composers more. And it just seems like you finally, I mean, this is, I mean, you've, you've built collaborations with so many great filmmakers, but like, it seems you and Dave, he really entrusted you to like, let you go off and, and, and do this and, and make me and invite you to be part of the process. And, and, and it just shows how excited you are about it. It seems like how excited he was about it and how it just makes everyone bring everything to the table and just make the, the best film you all possibly can. And a hundred percent. 100% and, and that's not to say I haven't I'm, you know I, I have wonderful collaborations with others yes of course with yeah, other yeah. directors but it, it was almost like this one just happened like yeah. straight away there was that immediate like we like what you do you like what we do let's do something together and you know it was just we just clicked straight yeah. away and I think with other collaborators it, it, it takes a while to for people to warm up to each other and it's right. you don't, yeah, this is a, this you don't your get first that experience with everyone. Yeah. The friends, relationships, you don't like it's very rare to, to to have that initial spark. Even people that have you know who are married might not have had that spark right at the beginning. Right. Um so it was it's it's just been a very special experience. Um yeah, just just made even more so by Dave and his just complete trust and belief in in knowing that I could. He, I think he knew before I did that I could bring what he needed for this film. Yeah, which yeah. is saying something. I mean, yeah, I mean, he 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 as a filmmaker, as a director, you're finding the best talent for the roles around you. But also, Bullet Train. Uh, I was looking into. Of course, it's based on a novel. Uh, which mm -hmm. was orig originally titled uh, Maria Beetle by Kotaro Asaka and then translated into Bullet Train recently. So, and then it, yeah. it was, it's, it's only been a stage play in Japan. And now this is like the first, uh, yeah, like film, film, film version of it. Um, I mean, how would you describe the, the, just the film in general? Because it seems like it, it, it it has so many different elements and you even described your score as like Guy Ritchie having a baby with like Tarantino or and I hate like, you know, like Jaws meets E.T. or something like that. But like, if you had to describe yeah. like, like if you had to put like a, for someone who doesn't know what Bullet Train is, like what is Bullet Train? Like, what is this? What well, is I this think, film that you guys made? <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, yeah, when I said though, when that, that kind of, you know, combination of elements that was more about the film than it was a score. Cause obviously yeah, 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 those, of movies, course. Yeah. those movies don't really use score. They used needle drops but if to to the to the person if you're saying to someone that does, hasn't really watched that many films has only seen like major directors and huge hits i would say that there's definitely a feeling but as you say you, you never want to make comparisons because it's just like yeah, it's it's, when people it, compare it, like oh it sounds like this and this it, it sounds like a word of marketing you know, well, does like, it? Well, no, i got my own style and that's not fair and but right, right, to the right. to the you know someone that doesn't understand it doesn't like film doesn't get it I would say there is there's if Tarantino and and Guy Ritchie had a love child, and then then you you know but that does that's not doing Dave justice because he's so much more than that. Yeah, his As style say, is so unique too. Yeah, it's so unique. But of, there's obviously like I have influences from everyone that I've listened to. Um, as an artist and, you know, in the way I play things, the way I sing things, the way I write stuff, you can't help but be influenced by your We're all sponges. heroes I mean, and your mentors. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're basically, it's 2022. We're basically just sort of recreating stuff that's already been created in a way that, you know, isn't going to get us into trouble. No, but you know what I mean? It's like- Of course, yeah. No, we're, if we're, you, had, it, if you yeah. had to find the inspirations, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm not, as well versed in film as you are and I'm certainly not as well versed in film as Dave is but if you had to like pick the the immediate 
references. It, it would be Tarantino and Richie. Yeah. You know, you've got the comedy, you've got the amazing action, you've but you've got the depth and you've got the the character arcs and the real um, amazing depth in, in the characters and, and the story. And but all the while there's all those little jokes and the little things that that make it a Dave Leach film. The com the, the style of comedy, the style of the action, the colors. The, oh, the, the color palette is incredible. I mean, it's, it's so wonderful. Um, so it's difficult, but yes, in the same way that you know, if I, if someone was saying what were your influences for the score, like you you could rattle off a couple of things that you th can think of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it sounds a little bit like, but it's the same thing. The movie is the movie is just a crazy, funny action romp that is original. It's, there's no superheroes anywhere to be found. Thank um, goodness. <laughs> and you know, thank you. I, I, I can't wait to go to the theater and not see a sequel. Yes, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not knocking the superheroes. Are you know people love them and they make a ton of money. They, they make a lot but of money. <laughs> the wonderful thing about this movie is that it's so good. I mean, I literally don't care how it does because I know I know it's good, uh, and it's it's a book but it's essentially an original ip it's an original yeah. thing um and it, those aren't getting made really you know no. you have to have a superhero in it you know to to to, to for something to go crazy these, the these office. are the movies that i always i love seeing that they you know that mid that kind of a middle ground of filmmaking where it's not a 300 million dollar 200 million dollar blockbuster mm -hmm. you get something in the mid-range because now we all we're seeing are these massive 250 million dollar movies and then like 10 million dollar horror films or two million dollar indie films but it's nice to see like a something that has a lot of you know heft behind it and you have the money to play and do fun things and do these yeah. insane sequences and you can go off and record and play and like build things and you know you have the tools that you need and and there was i mean it's just like it feels like an auteur fueled film with a bunch of like awesome 100 creative and people in all their roles yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and while I don't care how it does, um, obviously it's nice when things are successful monetarily. It's good when things are doing well at the box office. I, I, I care about it doing well only because of what you just said, and that is because yeah. it is that original material, and it will, it will give the green light to, to more people that want to do that, to more, and, and credit to Sony, man, because they, yeah. they really, they're, yeah. they're backing this hard and they really, they love the movie and they're, they're putting a lot of eggs in this basket of this original story. Um, and they, you know, they've given it the money that it needs and they've given it the, the time and effort that it needs. And we need more of that. So I, I really want the movie to do well, not, <laughs> not for my own gain or for anyone's personal gain, but for the, it's for the doors for to open. Yeah. The doors to open for something that basically isn't Spielberg that can do well as an original idea. Yeah. Or a like those people that we've mentioned, the Tarantinos and the Spielbergs, unless you're them, you don't get those original stories that you get to tell right. and it for, to be a, a monstrous hit. So I just wish that these new stories are given to the younger directors and are given that free reign to to make art again because it's essentially it's poppy and it's you know you're going to be yeah chowing down on your popcorn all the way through this but it's like you said it's that auteur thing and and yeah, getting back to the yeah. real creative the thing the thing that we all fell in love with when we when we watched movies exactly that's the reason why i moved to la why i went to film school it's like and it's like i feel like that part of it disappeared and it's funny you know people start saying art or auteur like it's a pretentious thing and it can come across as pretentious i think like maybe the newer generations of, pe of people don't like oh i'm an auteur i'm an artist and it's like it, it comes across as very kind of like egocentric or something but like right film is for me it was the way of exploring the human condition it's about having ent being entertained about telling stories it's like you know the, the, i always equate going to a movie theater like uh sitting around a campfire because you have this big glow you're sitting around with people and a story is being told and and if you're being sold a you know a product for sale you know certain studios might do but it's like when it's has a vision behind it and a voice that seems fresh and original or unique even if it's mm -hmm. doing even if it's doing a story that's been told before you know 
you know, we, 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 like you said, it's 2022. We, we love revenge stories. We love rom-coms. We love all these things, but it, you know, it's fun to see other people's perspectives on them. And yeah. I think this is such a unique one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it really is. And, uh, you know, as I say, I hope it opens the doors for, for many more. And even if it's just for me, you know, I want to work with Dave all the time. So, and I know that, I know that, I know, cause I know that he is going to do that. He's going to yeah. push he's going to push back against stuff that he doesn't believe in uh, he's only going to do something that he really believes in um and we you know fortunately he has the power in which to do that so and, and i've been extremely lucky to be brought to be brought in on this you know uh they they you took a chance on me um having not worked with me before on i would say you know kind of his his biggest opportunity in movie to date and that that's big balls man yeah like yeah. To, to kind of like to go with something different and not to go with what you know and knowing that you want to push the envelope a bit and try something different um there's never easy you know because it's it's like if you have to sort of make new relationships and therefore maybe kind of give other ones a break for a bit that's right. tough to do that's tough to have the balls to go this is going to be rough but it's you know i need to do this for the good of the film and what i'm trying to make because right. I know if I do it one way, it's not going to be what's going on in my head right now. And I know in which to do that, I need to go this way. And I've had those moments too, when, you know, you, you work with friends and you work with people so long that um, it just becomes very easy. And then to yeah. break that, it's kind of hard, you know, and, and this, and, and this score was that, you know, I have a lot of relationships with people that I've worked with on all, most of my films from you know certain musicians to mix engineers to 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 a lot of people and i you know what i went this has to be different this has to sound it should sound like me but it should sound different to anything else i've done in the past yeah. and in order to do that i've got to change some some people i've got to change some things in the way that this is created yeah. uh, and i think dave did the same thing and yeah i'm so i'm so eager to see what people think uh of everything of the film the music but it's that i hope it's not one of those ones where you're like <laughs> you because i've built it up so much and i've I had know, we're, of, we, yeah you built it a big boy like <laughs> i've built it up so much and i've built it i've built the score up so much i mean you <laughs> well know, the score i, I can mean, speak from from my point of view it's 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 it was so i loved it i just loved it i mean i was sitting here oh, i even so like much. when you I, I stopped working i was like i can't work and listen to this i just kind of sat here and just let it take over me and just went through the whole experience and like i think you mentioned like oh yeah it's like very much similar to like a, a pink floyd album or something for you and yeah i mean it really did it felt like i was making an album you know and i got to do all the studios that i'd always wanted to record in la and you know capital and sunset and and we did the big stuff at sony and so in order to get the sound of the whole score and, yeah. and a few of the songs, including Staying Alive, we put everything through tape. We didn't record oh, wow. onto tape because that would have been a pain in the ass and like changing tape and everything. But everything got run through tape. So when I was writing um, string parts or brass parts or whatever, I've got, I was using a, a, um, a plug-in and to create Wow and Flutter. But actually what we did when we went to, in the mix room with David Boucher, who mixed the score, who's like done Crowded House and Rufus Wainwright and he's mixed all of the Pixar movies. Like, I mean, he's, he's the best. I love him. But anyway, so he's got a bunch of tape machines. And so once we'd recorded everything, we then went back into the mix room and he would run the brass pass or the string pass through the tape machine, oh, creating wow. Wow, and, wow and flutter on everything. And then after all of that, for the soundtrack, not for the movie, because we can tape wouldn't have been good for the movie because you know seven one or Amos or whatever the hell it was mixed in. Um, but uh, for the soundtrack, we put everything through tape just to give it that whole that you know in terms of that tone, yeah. give it that thing you know that vinyl thing. Because um, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's just the, the digital world has its place, but there's something so magical about analog. And, and that's why vinyl's coming back so huge now because people it's... miss that sound and this sort of what i was trying to do with the score is is create that like you know i found this vinyl record and and um you know like bring it up to date but that's why it's got that like old school 
tape yeah. vinyl sound. And I'm so sorry that I'm so sorry that I've just talked and no, talked. don't be sorry. This... It's like someone opening, like pulling a lever and going, "You may talk about this now." And I'm <laughs> no, it's awesome, um, man. Like I've been, hold, like I've been holding it for so long, I couldn't say anything to anyone. I know. Oh, you just you're really trained. What's that like? Sorry. <laughs> um, well, I think you found the perfect place for you. I think you found the perfect project for you. Uh, and uh, I mean, well, the project found me, or Dave. Project and found you, found Dave. Me. Dave found you, and I still and don't fate, really fate, fate, that track, fate. Oh, oh, see, this is why you're so good at what oh, you do. You brought it all back. Perfect way to end it. It's fate. It is perfect. Fate. <laughs> fate. The first thing you wrote. The first thing you wrote. Second, I wrote the second sorry. song first, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so I'm really all oh, shit. Oh, Damn man. it! Okay. Damn it! Oh, what have you done? Cancel this whole thing. This whole. Cancel it. Delete. Delete it. Delete, delete it. it. <laughs> Start again. <laughs>